You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you're seated. Open your Bible once again at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We have been talking about the power of praying in the Spirit. The power of praying in the Spirit. How many of you have already experienced an increase in desire to pray in the Holy Spirit, to pray in tongues. Family of God, I'll tell you, when we study the Word of God, and that's the purpose of studying the Word, is that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. That when you hear the Word of God, faith arises in your heart, and faith means that whatever you're doing, you're doing by now doing by the power of God. See, there's a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And, and we don't want to be part of that category. I said, we're not going to quench the Holy Spirit. You see, you can do, you can go through the rituals and the actions of what you see in the Bible, but that's all it becomes. Jesus said, your traditions make my word null, void. It makes it of no effect. The word of God has been sent to heal, to deliver, to set free. There's power in the presence of God. There's power in the Word of God. Miracles, signs, wonders. God wants to do great and amazing things. But those great and amazing things only happen in the atmosphere of faith. And so in that atmosphere of faith, when you hear what God's called us to do, and then you apply faith to it, now you see the power of God flow in and through it. That's what faith is, because faith is aligned with the Word of God, because you've heard the Word, having believed, I speak. It's that Word that God watches over to perform. And so when you take anything in the kingdom of God and you learn about prayer, you learn about love, you learn about tithes, offerings, you learn about walking and hearing His voice, you learn about praying in the Spirit in other tongues, is that rather than it just being another dead ritual, you now hear the Word of God on it, so now when you apply it, you're engaged with it, with faith, you're going to see the results of it. And so we've been having a look at what it means to pray in tongues, why it's there, and what are the benefits? What are you going to get out of it? Because sometimes if we don't know why we're doing something, then why bother doing it? You know, if you feel you know, some things we might do because someone tells us to do it, but if we see no benefit from it, we're not going to carry on. That's why habits run out very quickly. Is because people try something and they think they're not seeing a result. And so they stop doing it. But how many of you have ever been involved in something and once you got involved in it, you saw very quick results? Man, you got hooked onto it. Isn't that right? You did that every day because you're seeing results. And so the same way, I want to stir us up so that we can see what the kingdom of God, what the word of God says is available as a result of praying in tongues. And when you see that and apply it, you're going to see it happening in your life. And then you'll see great power as a result of it. And so once again from the Amplified Bible, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 14, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. Verse 15, then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, which we just learned is praying in tongues, by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit, that's by the Holy Spirit that's within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. So we see that there's more to prayer than just praying with our mind, with our 
without home language or any language that you might understand. So there's the understanding language, praying in a human language. And then there's praying in your heavenly language, praying in tongues. We see in verse 2, he says, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So whenever you see praying in the Spirit, by Paul's definition, we see that talks about praying in tongues. And through praying in tongues, you're praying the very mysteries of God. This is not just a language that you're speaking to somebody because it says, yeah, no one understands. So whether it's me by a gift speaking, that I can all of a sudden speak in a foreign language that another person can hear, that is one type of miracle that can happen. That's a move of the Spirit, a gift of the Spirit. The other way is that I will pray in uh, in my English language, and someone hears me in their language, that happened in Acts chapter 2. That's another way of doing it. The other third way is that I will pray in tongues or speak in tongues where I'm prophesying, but then somebody or myself will interpret. That's another way. In all those three that I've now described, somebody's going to understand what I've said at the end of the day. This is speaking about no one understanding but God which means I'm no longer talking to people, I'm talking to God, which is our prayer language. And that's what we've been having a look at, how important it is to pray in other tongues. So we saw there's a number of reasons. We've looked at these in great detail. If you've missed any of the sessions, we're already on part seven. So you understand, if you just come in now, there's a lot to catch up. But it's all online. And so you can have a great time studying it, and you can just do that every day and listen to it and take notes and go and study and go look up all the other scriptures and do the cross-referencing. I really enjoy spending a lot of time in the Word of God. How do you say amen to that? And so we saw the number of reasons for praying in the Spirit is, number one, God can arrange deliverance, protection, and provision for you or for someone you pray for, because we don't always know what to pray for as we ought, but we do know the Holy Spirit helps us. And so as you're praying in tongues, you're praying for safety and protection. That's why it's important to start your day this way, because you don't know what's coming up in the day. You don't know what the devil's managed to, to conjure up during the night. He may have arranged for a car accident, something to fall on you at work, something to happen. He might have figured out some way to hurt you, to steal from you, get some con artist to take your money from you. He, he may have figured out some way, some assignment. But by you praying in tongues, you counteract that, even though you don't even know what you prayed for. You're driving to work and there's things happening behind you that were coming your way. You didn't even know it was going to happen because you'd prayed in tongues. I mean, if that alone doesn't make somebody say, well, I don't need any other reason. Uh, it's that my children are going to school and to work and out on the road. And, and I, you know, there's a day when you're going to say goodbye to those children and they're going to see them go around the corner and you're not looking after them anymore the way we used to when they were babies. Well, but the angels of God are out there. And by you praying in tongues, you're giving out assignments for your children and your family to be looked after. You see how powerful this is? Amen. So we, there's, there's so much to pray for. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's myself, there's my wife, there's my children, there's all of you, there's the ministry, uh, it's, it's my, my investments, there's, there's so much. So what do I pray? Where do you start? If you had to pray in English, you'd be going 24 hours a day. 
thinking of each person. Oh, I must pray for that one. Oh, I must pray for them. But what about this? What about that? What about that? And, and then by the end of the day, have you really covered everything? You don't know. No, but if you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit directs that prayer exactly where it's needed. And you can do that all day. Amen. But start your day that way. Number two, as we pray, we draw others to Christ. The church gives birth to Christians. Uh, every one of us are saved today because somebody, somewhere, prayed in the Spirit. Even if you were born again in a church that didn't believe in speaking in tongues, somebody, somewhere, that's where that unknown, you could be praying in tongues and pray for someone in China to be saved. You didn't even know it. But somebody had to intercede so that the scale could be removed so that you would understand the gospel. Number three, as we do, as we pray in the Spirit, our disciples grow up spiritually into maturity. Paul says, I birth again that Christ may be formed in you. And then number four, I build myself up as I pray in other tongues. I build myself up. As I pray in other tongues. Jude verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. As I already said, when you see praying in the Holy Spirit, it's talking about praying in other tongues. So as you pray in other tongues, what happens? You build yourself up. On your most holy faith. Notice as we studied it last time, this is not how you get faith. You're not praying to build up faith. No, you've already received the faith. Now, so if I, you understand, you can look at it the other way around. And if you haven't received the faith, there's nothing to build up on. If you're going to build a house, you need the bricks. So you've got to get the bricks first. That's why it's important to be spending time in the Word of God. Very often, People, they say, okay, well, now I'm going to spend some time praying in the Spirit. And they feel like it's, it's, it's nothing there. Has that ever happened to you? Where you go, okay, now I'm going to pray in tongues. But it's like, you're praying, but it's, you're, you're laboring. It's struggling. It's like, I'm praying in tongues, but I don't feel like it's like been five minutes and I already feel like I'm finished. You know, have you ever been there? And why is that? Because you're trying to build without the bricks. So you need the bricks first. What is that? Faith is the substance. That's the substance. That's the stuff. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The actual substance, the stuff, the faith is the things that God uses to build up with. Now, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That's why it's important to spend time reading the Word every day. So if I say you're going to start the day praying in tongues, well, then you need to start before that reading in the Word, because you need the stuff to pray in tongues with. You got that. So now you understand why it's important to read the Word in the morning. So you read the Word, study the Word, listen to the Word, get the Word of God in you, confess the Word, and as you get the Word down in your heart, now faith has come, and then when you pray in tongues, you now build yourself up on that faith. So you can only build up according to the size of the field. Remember I said if you sow, uh, if you've got an acre field, acre, acre of field, but if you only sow a handful of wheat, you can't expect an acre full of wheat. You're only going to get the handful of seed grow up that you sowed. But if you want an acre full, then you need to put the whole field full of seed. So you build up according to how much word you've put in. 
The more word you put in, the more time you spend in the word, as you pray in the spirit, you build up and you build up and you become stronger and stronger. So you encourage yourself, you build yourself up by praying in the spirit, which leads me to number five. Another reason for praying in the spirit is that it's leaning on this. It now, remember we spoke about the, the battery that charges itself through the alternator. The alternator charges the battery. As you pray in the Spirit, you charge your spirit. Number five, it develops power with God. It develops power with God. I use the example of Jesus as he was out on the road one day. Uh, everybody was busy touching him. And next moment, this woman with an issue of blood reached through and she said, if I can just touch his garment, I'll be made well. And as she reached through the crowd and grabbed his garment, the anointing of God flowed into her body and she was instantly healed. And Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, everybody's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? There's a crowd of people. I mean, bouncing, touching People want to touch the famous man, you know. It's like everybody's all over the place. And no, Jesus said, No, hang on. Power flowed out of me. Power flowed out of me. Now, how did he sense that? He must have been full of power. Now, notice power flowed. So, as it flowed out, where did that power come from? Well, you study the word and you will see that Jesus often would draw aside to go and pray. They would look for him. Where is Jesus? He was up in the mountain, up early, before the sun came up, and he was praying. What was he doing? Charging. He's building himself up in that faith that he had. And by praying in the Spirit, you're recharging the battery. So when he didn't even have to say, let's pray for a while and let's see what God will do. It was like he was a supercharged battery that that woman just said, she just touched him and boom, the power flowed and he didn't even have to pray it up. He was already ready. You're getting this. Family, we want to be ready at all times, no matter what comes. How you know when Satan comes along? You, let me, you know, if, if, if somebody's going to attack you and let's say physically, that's not the time to say, hang on, I haven't done my workout yet. Let me first build up some strength. Let me go punch up a, you know, a little bit. Let me go do some boxing classes. Then we can carry on with this attack. No, once they attack, you, you have to be ready. Isn't that right? That's part of you know, self-defense training in that, is that when something comes from the side, you're ready for it. And so the same way, you don't want Satan to attack and then say, okay, now I need to pray in tongues. You want to be ready all the time. As you're praying, as you're in the Spirit, as you're building yourself up, you are charged. So when somebody comes along that needs prayer, you can pray for them. If someone needs healing, you can pray for it. If you need provision, you can give and that seed will work. You can help others. You can bless them no matter what comes along. The power of God is within you. It's from within you that the power flows. Now, is this necessary? Because, you know, someone says, are you sure that's the way it happens? Well, let me ask you this. I'm going to give you the scriptures now, but let me ask you this. How many you know there's many churches out there that preach the gospel? Now, I'm not naming any names because this is not meant to be negative. Is that you understand that just knowing the Bible, you don't see any signs, wonders, miracles happening. But isn't it interesting? All the churches that do pray in tongues, you hear about miracles. 
You see people getting healed. You see people getting delivered. You hear of phenomenal testimonies of financial miracles, breakthroughs. Yeah, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Why? Yeah, you might see one or two miracles. Yeah, where people are praying in tongues, you see it all the time. Because of what I've described. As you pray, you're full of power. Now watch this. Come with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. How many want to see an increase of anointing in your life? This is what we're talking about here. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. One of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, this is a demon, it throws him down. And he foams at the mouth. The son foams at the mouth. And he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But they could not. This father wanted the demon cast out of his son, so he took him to the disciples, and they were not able to cast the demon out. So Jesus answered and said, don't worry, I'm Jesus, I'm the one that should be doing it. Is that what he said? No. He said, oh, faithless. So what's faithless mean? Less of, they hadn't spent time in the Word. So that's key number one. So if you'd been in the Word, you shouldn't have been able to do this. Okay, so number one, oh faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So now, he's not going to leave the Son because of their lack of time in the Word. He says, bring him to me, and then I will show you what to do. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So Jesus turns to the Father. I want you to get the picture. And says, how long has, he, has this been happening to him? I want you to notice, Jesus is not put under pressure by a manifesting demon. They bring the child to Jesus, and the demon in the child recognizes his time is over. He sees Jesus, this man knows what he's doing. And so instead of doing that, he tries to intimidate Jesus by causing the child to start convulsing. Next moment, the child's on the ground and convulsing and gnashing and, and like the father said, going all rigid. Now, most people, that's where they were going to call the medic. This child's convulsing on the ground, and Jesus turns to the father and says, So, how long has this been happening? There the child's going, and Jesus is talking to the father. Now, can you imagine the father? Uh, Jesus, the baby, the child. <laughs> I don't know how old the, thing, the child was, but hello. No, Jesus, he's, he's, he's going to have a conversation now. So, how long has this been happening to you? So the father said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible 
to him who believes. Notice Jesus didn't turn around and say, don't worry, I got this. He has to see, where are you, daddy? Now, your child, I don't know how old he is, but evidently at that moment, he was not able to communicate with Jesus. So he needed an intercessor. And the father had the authority. So he says to them, based on your authority then, do you believe? That tells me it's important that Jesus is not able to just step in and do something until his father's on board. Can you see this? Family, I want to help you so you understand when you see ministering happening. Because I'm saying, why in the past? I've, 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 I've seen it where people said, no, now the churches are all asking to be open. And where were they during COVID-19? If they, if they could heal, why weren't they at the hospitals healing everybody? Well, first of all, the hospitals wouldn't let everybody in. No one was allowed to visit. Secondly, we had people praying in the car parks. And the testimonies were coming out of people getting healed in the hospital. Every person that's ever come to us and said, we have this virus and we've caught it or whatever. Please pray for us. We've prayed and we have seen many, 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 many miracles healed. The key is no pastor can just walk up and say, be healed. Jesus didn't even do it. Do you get this? That person has to first be in a place of faith to receive. Amen. Only those who have faith to receive will be able to be healed. Amen. Say amen. amen. So if you can believe, all things are possible. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. That's all it took, family. That's all it took. He didn't have to hold him down and have him then do all kinds of rituals and stuff. He just spoke a word. He spoke one sentence. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And then he became as one dead. What did that mean? All of a sudden, boom, he lay there limp. And so many said, he's dead. And so Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Hallelujah. Later, verse 28, when they'd come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? That is a good question. I mean, we tried. And you made it look so easy. And Jesus said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer. Now, I know many translations have and fasting. But that's not, in a lot of your early texts, it's not there. So that is evident, and you'll see it's marked in your Bible probably, is that it was added later. Now, I don't have time to teach into that because there is power in fasting. But Jesus is not saying, this demon came out because I was hungry. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you know, demons say, no, you're not a faster. I'm not listening to you. Now, that's the, if you study the whole word, as I say, I don't have time today. I'm just very briefly mentioning, if you study it out, 
There is power in fasting, but the demons are not subject to your, in, how much food you've eaten. It's subject to the power and the word of God. That's what I'm saying. The demons, you study out how to cast out a demon. There's many scriptures that show it's by a spoken word, the authority. But I want you to notice that, that in the original text, it says this comes out by prayer. Prayer. I spent time in prayer today. You did not. That's what is implied here. Because you were with me, you thought everything's going to be okay. Just because you're hanging out with me is not enough. You hanging out with me, you hear me teach, but did you spend time in the Word to develop that faith? Did you spend time praying in the Spirit to develop and build yourself up on that faith? You didn't. That's why you couldn't cast it out. Had you done that, you would have cast it out the same way I did. He didn't say, I did it because I'm Jesus. He said, because I spent time in the Word and I spent time praying in the Spirit, and as a result, that demon had to listen. There is an increase of anointing when you pray in the Spirit. Say this, when I spend time in prayer, a stronger anointing comes in me. You've seen that. Isaiah 10 verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. What's a yoke? When you want to plow with oxen, they use what they call a yoke. Now, there's two ways the Bible uses the yoke. One is in a positive way, is when you yoked with God, then the stronger ox helps the weaker ox. They can pull together strongly. But in a negative sense, that yoke is used by the enemy to put somebody under bondage. If you're in a yoke, you can only go where the strong one leads you. Are you with me? So if the enemy can get a yoke of bondage on us, then he can take us where even if you want to go in a different direction, that yoke will drag us off into the wrong direction. And that will help a lot of Christians to understand because, you know, we're born again, full of the Spirit of God. We want to do what God calls us to do. But for some reason, things keep going wrong. I keep going in the wrong direction. I keep doing the wrong things. How is that possible? Family, understand this. Satan is a legalist. He will use ignorance to deceive the world, which he has done. The Bible says he calls him the God of this world, and he's deceived the entire world. How much? The entire world. So it's not just this group of people are deceived. Now, if you're not born again... You are deceived. Yes. Just accept it. I had to accept it. Yes. When I saw that truth and said, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, now I'm no longer deceived. Amen. So, but now that I'm born again, he's not able to use ignorance as much because I've now studied the Word. And I now know what the Word says on an issue. 
But he's still a legalist, and he will say, if you want to stand on the word, I will hold you to that word. Because if we step off the word of God, and we do something that violates the word, angels will not get involved with that. Because they saw when Satan tried to do something contrary to the word, it was instant. Him and one third of the angels in a moment were kicked out of heaven. And no other angels going there. They only hearken to the voice of God. And that voice is the word of God. The voice of the word of God is what the Bible says. They hearken to the voice of the word of God. So only a voice that speaks the word is what an angel will obey. If, he's, if we're not speaking the word, an angel will stand by and watch a Christian crash and burn. If, if, if for example, if a Christian says, I am sick and I'm going to die in 10 days, no matter how much an angel wants to, it can't stop that happening. And even God, where Jesus said, what do you want? You have to say, Jesus' father said, as I've heard in my ears, so it will be done. According to your words, let it be to you. According to your faith, let it be to you. Isn't that what the word says? So when we do things that contradict the word, we put ourselves into that yoke. You understand? So where do problems come from? Sometimes problems are just problems. You know, uh, if you if, like, you might have seen, I, I bumped this table, the glass falls over. Water all over my laptop. I can't say the devil did that. <laughs> I banged the table. Are you with me? So yes, sometimes things happen that are just physical. You weren't watching. You weren't looking. Now we can blame the devil. Well, he distracted me. Okay, we can go out there. It's like Pastor Theo says, just, just rebuke the devil. He's probably done something anyway. But... How does, how can Satan get into our lives? How can he interfere? Number one is from Mark chapter 4, verse 14 to 18. He can steal the word. If he steals the word, he steals that faith that the word would have brought. So you make sure you don't spend time in the word. Make sure you're distracted. Don't go to church. Forget to tune in online. Uh, don't go. Are you with me? Just use any reason not to listen to the word. If he can keep us out the word, then we don't have the word to react. Number two, we make wrong choices and decisions. We make wrong choices and decisions. What, if you make a decision to do a certain thing, that decision has outcome. And so understand that. And then number three is by sowing bad seed. Sowing bad seed. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, God is not mocked. What? Whatever a man sows, he will reap. Whatever a man sows. The, the earth doesn't decide it's not growing dacha, marijuana, because it's illegal. You plant it, it'll grow. You're with me. Remember uh, Jacob, how he when, he, when he went to work uh, for his, his uncle Laban, remember that? And then he, he fell in love with Rachel. And so his uncle said, if you work for seven years, then you can have Rachel as a wife. So he worked for seven years. And then 
the wedding night came, and uh, they went in. And of course, in those days, the women were veiled, and they went into the wedding bed, the wedding chamber, and they were going to sleep to consummate the wedding. And the father Laban, uh, the father Laban, instead of giving his daughter Rachel, put his daughter Leah, covered her with a veil, and gave her to Jacob. And Jacob unknowingly slept with Leah that night. And then the next morning saw it was her. And according to the word, she was not the attractive one. Now, I don't say that to be ugly. It's the word of God says that. And so he's going, this is not my wife. This is not the one I love. So he went to Laman and said, you deceived me. And he said, no, that's our custom. Is The eldest daughter marries first. He says, but you deceived me. So he said, well, work another seven years and you can have Rachel. Now some may say, but that's unfair. Hang on now. Rewind. Because what happened? Jacob decides one day that he's going to take the blessing of his brother. How does he do it? Through deception. What does he do? He puts on a veil. Fur clothing. Where does he meet his father? In his bed. In a bed with a veil, deceives his father, and his father thinks he is Esau. But it's actually Jacob. So it's Jacob acting as Esau. And so the father gives the blessing to Jacob, thinking he's Esau. So you got someone in a bed with a veil, changed identity. Family of God. What you sow, it comes out. The enemy will make sure he doesn't mind. Go ahead. You want to have fun right now. He's not going to call you on your sin today. But what you're doing is setting up a future. And we're aware of that. It becomes a yoke, and he's got you locked. And we only find out later on that what I did back then we, you see, I don't think you can put two and two. We can look back on the word and say, oh, that's why. I don't think Jacob, the day he got Leah, he didn't think, oh, yeah, that was because of the, that. Uh, I'm the first deceiver. No, it just happened. But it didn't just happen. It's the law of sowing and reaping. So now that yoke of bondage. But family of God, we don't have to put up with those yokes. Number one, don't cause them. So from now on, Watch the seed that you sow. Watch what you say, how you judge other people, how you hold other people to account, what, you, what, you, what you're expecting, what you do to other people, all of that. Make sure that you're setting up. In other words, when I do something, do I want that done to me later? No? Then I'm not going to do it. If I'm going to call you out on something, am I prepared to have my life exposed in that area? No? Then I won't call you out. Are you with that? So I'm, I'm going to watch what I, how I sow my seed. But now, how do you get rid of the yoke? The anointing. The anointing, notice the word of God says here, the anointing destroys. 
I've heard people say the anointing breaks the yoke. No, break means, okay, but you can put it back together. Destroy is like taking a, a let's take a, a, a vase, a fancy, expensive vase. If it, if it breaks, you can glue it and put it back together and still be used as a vase. But destroy means you take yourself a four-pound mallet and you bang it and you break. And then when it's broken, you take the broken pieces and you hit them. And when you take the chips, you hit them. And when you take the tiny pieces, fragments and you crush them, now you've got powder. That's destroyed. It'll never be a vase again. Now the Word of God says the anointing destroys the yoke. I don't care what Satan has on you, what your past was, whatever has been holding you in bondage, when you pray in tongues as you pray in the Holy Spirit, that bondage is destroyed and you are set free forever. Hallelujah. Say this, when I pray in other tongues, the anointing of God increases and that anointing destroys Yokes in Jesus' name. Look at Ephesians 3 verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit. Where? In the inner man. That the anointed one may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ, that's that anointed one. The anointing of God can dwell in your hearts. Family, by doing that, you are strengthened in your inner man. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me ask you again. How many want to see an increase of anointing in your life? Yeah, now you know what to do. Amen. You receive something? Let's give Jesus our praise today. Give him praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Today, I heard the word of God. That word brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. I'm a hearer of the word. And as a hearer, I'm also a doer. And I thank God for the privilege of praying in other tongues. As I do, the anointing of God increases in my life greater power to destroy greater yokes and when I pray for people bondages are destroyed demons are cast out sicknesses are healed people are set free and delivered in the name of Jesus my life is free of all bondages I destroy every bondage out of my life in the name of Jesus. And as I pray in the Spirit, the power of God, the very anointing of God, increases in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah.